today on Foodstuffs. We're back. And for the first interview of the season, Jess talks to the chef owner of one of her favorite lunch spots about what it's like to run his own kitchen solo. When you work in this industry as long as he has, it's a dramatic switch. I will tell you what. I think for myself, it's not really as much about the food as it is the, you know, the entire experience, the entire, you know, you know, the, the room you're in doing it, the music that's being played, every little detail. This is Sharon, Jessica's mum from Halifax, and you're listening to Food Steps. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Foodstuffs, a podcast about food and culture and their intersections. I'm Jessica Walker. And I'm Brian Goldman. Oh, hello there. Yes. Hello, everyone. It's been a while. <laughs> so nice to see you. Uh, what's up, Pops? What's up, B? Oh, no big deal. Just had a baby. You know? <laughs> uh, maybe the cutest baby in the world. I think it's a scientific uh, reality. It's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> At the same time, there's no way, right? Like, come on. There's the math. that doesn't work. <laughs> you hear this a lot, I guess, you, that you have the cutest baby in the world. And you think it. You look at him and you think it. <laughs> but then you have to ground yourself and say, there's no way. There could, is billions of people be. on this earth. <laughs> He's the cutest baby I've ever seen. But right. don't, just don't tell that to him, okay? <laughs> All right. Yes, that is, that's the, the new courant way to, to raise right. a gap. He can't let it get to its head. We don't okay. want him thinking he's special. So right. let, let's, just, let's just move on. <laughs> Rye, you are You're just not the same special. as everyone else. You're not special. Bad baby. No. Um, okay. Anyway, let's, uh, let's talk about foodstuffs. For those who subscribe to the podcast, you'll notice a few changes. Yes. First and most importantly, you're going to hear from us more often. Yeah. We're going to release new episodes every week instead of every second week as we go on. And directly correlated to that, we're only going to have one interview per episode now. Right. So for a while there, we wanted to pair different types of interviews. That was a kind of our thought process to prove that there were more similarities than you might expect between these seemingly varied stories that we were gathering. Um, and we still want to do that. And we think that you will get those connections week to week and episode to episode. Yeah. Um, but what we are finding that is that this is allowing us now to go a little deeper into different topics and to further sort of embrace that podcast format. I think we're, we're two sort of radio people. <laughs> yeah, we're like so a little old school. In our mm-hmm. minds, when we're thinking about a podcast, we're sort of thinking about it in as a sort of a radio show where, you know, we want shorter interviews and get to a few different things. And uh, this way we're going to be able to get into a topic and really get into it. That doesn't mean every interview is going to be super long, but you might hear some interviews that mm-hmm. are... 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you might hear some interviews that are back down to 10 or 12 like they were before. So um, we'll be a lot more flexible. Um, and yeah, just basing kind of the merit of each topic and not harnessing or like not trying to restrain it into a set amount of time. If it requires more time than that, we're going to allow for it. Um, if it doesn't, then you're going to hear kind of what you'd heard in the past of it. Yeah, those 10 to And giving us the episodes. chance to, to revisit ideas as we get to them so yeah. as new information comes out as we meet more people we'll be sort of revisiting topics that uh, that we've talked about um, both in this season and in previous seasons so we're excited about that excited to be talking to you again excited to three. yeah excited come to on. come at you more often be up in your inbox or your 
podcast box. Right. <laughs> That's a technical term. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned. And by all means, feedback. I mean, of course, feedback is always welcome. If always. there's something that you like or you don't like, then we'd love to hear about that. But uh, I think it's going to be good. Don't you? I do. I'm ready. Let's right. do this. Let's do this thing. All right. So in my time off, well, some of us were having a baby. Um, I was taking time to catch up with some friends. As someone who tends to work more so at night, this means I meet friends for lunches more often than not. Um, anyway, in the last few months, with this abundance of time that I suddenly had, um, one of my favorite spots kind of solidified, and that is Royale's Luncheonette. I know this place. We've been there. Yes, that's right. Um, and that means that you must have also met Mark Dufort. I do know Mark. I felt like I know, knew Mark right away. As soon as you walk into this place, <laughs> it just has like a friendly vibe to it. It's a really small place, open kitchen. He's the only but only person in there, only staff in there. And as I recall, I think he was just like sitting down at a table with another customer. He's got some vinyl going. It's a very sort of friendly, friendly place. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about Royale's and, and, and more about Mark. Right. So Mark is the chef and owner of Royale's Luncheonette. Um, as the name would suggest, he is open only for lunch from 11 till 6, five days a week in the west end of Toronto at Dundas and Gladstone, just east of Dufferin, I guess. Um, so he's got about 15 seats in there. And as soon as you walk in, it's all in front of you. The counter is the kitchen, basically. And Mark is there to take your order. And then he basically just gets to cooking it as soon as uh, as soon as you're there. Yeah, and it doesn't take long to realize that, like I said, it is just him. He takes your order, he makes it for you, he brings it to the table, clears it up, and brings you through. He's doing everything. That's right, exactly. Like a full one-man show. Um, So on the menu, there's grilled cheese, there's a Royale with cheese. Of course. Yes, of course. Um, The meatball sub is a favorite of mine. So good. Yeah. (laughs) He also just started making lamb bindaloo, so it's like any number of things that he feels like making. Um... The pickled beet salad is the thing that I have to get if I'm in those four walls. Um, Super tasty. Yeah, and lots of tasty stuff. So when did you decide you should interview him, though? Right. So it was kind of interesting because over those last few months, um, anytime I'd either kind of mention the setup or meet someone who also worked in the industry there for lunch, I could see kind of them processing what was happening around us. Um, it was mainly with people who used to work in kitchens or on teams in kitchens. And it got me thinking, why did this person that I learned used to work in more traditional kitchens, like at night, et cetera, um, decide that he wanted to open a lunch spot by himself? I had some thoughts as to why and some theories as to why that might be, um, but I was still surprised by some of his reasons. So it was natural that I should capture it and share it here, obviously. Um, so I don't want to say too, too much more, uh, but let's start with why Mark had considered at one point leaving the industry. All right, let's do this. This is Jess speaking with Mark Dufort, owner and chef of Royale's Luncheonette here in Toronto. I've always, it's kind of been the thing that I could do, like mm-hmm. my thing. Um, definitely thought about leaving it. I'm like right before this restaurant, <laughs> I wanted to maybe leave it. I was on EI which those of you don't know is unemployment insurance for a year and a half and it was awesome. It gave me a lot of time to think, but yeah, I was kind of done. I was done with doing it the way I had done it for 20 years. I was done with working for people and done with working those kind of hours at night, you know, starting at noon, finishing at one, two in the morning, getting home at three. It was just like, 
you know, after that many years, it, it's not sustainable unless you're like really moving up. And, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, big lack of respect amongst, you know, a lot of people in the industry and, and you don't, you know, you don't make what you're worth. You don't get the respect that you deserve. And, you know, eventually I think everyone has their breaking point. Some don't, some just stay in it until they burn out, you know, from the, from the work or from their alcohol abuse or drug, you know, mm -hmm. drug problems. And we've all kind of like, it's a very industry that's very conducive to, you know, being out after because it's kind of how everyone kind of unwinds. But um, yeah, so I just definitely thought that I couldn't do it like that anymore. So it was either do something like this, you know, have a small little place where I could, you know, work alone in the day and just like, do what I want to do, kind of get the chance to really interact with people or maybe do something different, you know, but not really sure what that would entail because I've never really done anything else. So. Yeah, exactly. Kind of a crazy thing, you know, step. So I kind of, I want to get to how you made the decision for Royals. You sort of just hinted at it, but um, before we get there, like unpacking just a little bit of what you were just talking about, which is first off, what are the types of people that get attracted to the crazy life of working as a chef? Are there archetypes? Like, are there over? Yeah, do you see common traits in in the people that you would have been working with in those previous jobs? Um, yeah, I think you know, there's like a big part of the people that get kind of pulled in are maybe misfits, people that kind of don't know what to do with their lives. You know, just kind of figure they can they can go in and start doing that, and it's kind of a rough world to be in. And you, to get taken advantage of you know or you, you give as much as you can you just burn out yeah like people that are a bit quirky and weird and just don't fit or or i would say people that are you know can be very uh narcissistic maybe uh you know god complex like ego driven essentially yeah ego ego driven you know like i mean definitely nowadays you know there's definitely like this glorification of the restaurant and food culture, you know, like by the media, by, you know, by a lot of people. And everyone thinks that it's this glamorous kind of rock star life. And it can be, you know, it can be for people that are maybe at the top and that are running the show, making the money and that, you know, get to kind of like, make their appearances and doing their things but you know it's it's all all these people you know have a team behind them and and the shit or sorry the stuff that you know the people like behind them kind of like do a lot of the work and don't get a lot of their just desserts you know they're they're, they're not really thanked for it and uh it's not a glamorous job you know it's a it's a messy dirty like thankless job you know and you, you get your hands dirty and you're you live a hard life and so you know it's not exactly what people think you know for me anyways that's my perspective yeah for sure like um i haven't done it myself obviously but uh just being in that sphere and aware of what's happening the things that come to mind when i think of Basically, I'm thinking of someone who has never worked in a restaurant and the, per the perception that you are sort of just um, speaking to right now in the world as far as it being like the next rock star, these chefs, right? But there is 
such a slog involved. Not only are you doing this incredibly physical job, you are also working when everyone else is off. Um, so you're foregoing this social connection um, with normalcy or whatever. Um, and then you're also up in the middle of the night because you're, that's when you're all finished and you're all packed up. And so what do you do when you're wound up and you've just gotten off work? What's open at one in the morning? Yep. A bar. Yep. And how do you cope with stress? Most people turn to drink. And there's a huge proportion of people who can do that and be okay. And then there's a significant portion that can't. Obviously, this is the dark side of things, but I think it's been a part of the conversation that's kind of come up in the last few years as far as like mental health stuff that's been going on. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would also say that you know, the industry has changed, you know, it, it used to be, kitchens used to be a lot more kind of corporal driven, you know, like an army, you know, like Militarist. everyone, yeah, you know, you, you could, back then you could, you know, you could really like school people and yell at them and instill fear. And, you know, part of me think that thinks that that's terrible. And part of me, you know, knows how much I learned from it. You know, I, it really taught me not to be an entitled human being, which is great. And I find you know, that might be what's lacking, not only, you know, in kitchens, but in every part of society these days that are people that are growing up have this real sense of entitlement. And, you know, the second they enter into, you know, whatever career they're following, let's say, you know, whatever, if it's cooking, you know, you can't say anything to them anymore, man. Everyone knows everything, you know, and, and you can't, you know, you can't really come down on someone. You got to be careful, you know, and and. and I don't know, there's, I wish there was a better way to kind of, you know, I think that's a big reason I've chosen to work alone now is because I don't want to be a part of any of that and it's, it's been amazing, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got, that's what I got to say. Okay. Yeah, for sure, it's, um, it's the combination, in Toronto in particular, I can't speak to the rest of the country right now, but it seems like there's a huge shortage of cooks. So going along with that is choice. People get the opportunity to stay where they are or knowing that there's holes in so many other places they can pick up and leave which goes to loyalty and it goes to how much they're willing to put up with um, so there's this identity crisis happening where it's yeah the old school where you're come down hard on people and instill fear and keep them on the straight and narrow or there's the new school which is untested which is being kind and generous and all that but then that can lead to being taken advantage of and entitlement. So it's a weird moment right now. So to the next part, what made you, or how long have you been considering opening a spot like Royale's and being able to work on your own? I would definitely say I had an you know, this kind of idea for a long, you know, it's been at least 10 years. I think I've been thinking about it, you know, in one way or another, maybe not exactly the way it is now, but I had an idea of, you know, I, I basically formed my ideas in my head of what would work and what wouldn't work and you know I think it's it really important to know your limitations and I know you know I definitely know my limitations I'm not a you know I'm not a Michelin star chef like I, I definitely know how to cook but I know what you know the kind of stuff that's good for me to cook and the kind of stuff that I want to serve to people and you know it wasn't it's not just I think for myself it's not really as much about the food as it is the, you know, the entire experience, the entire, you know, 
you know the, the room you're in doing it the music that's being played every little detail the style you know like designing this space that I'm in right now is something I've been thinking about for years how I wanted it to look you know how I wanted it to feel you know like definitely I think I could say that you know my bigger passion than cooking is music and I wanted to find a way where I could do both and be able to have the music I wanted to play in the restaurant and you know have you know the art that I wanted on the walls have it you know build the stuff like build the furniture that I wanted to use like all that kind of stuff you know I think you're in this space for countless hours in a day you want to make sure that it's a space you want to be in yeah you know so many places like the the you know the room will look you know it'll be okay it'll look cool and then the kitchen looks like crap and and you're like well you know these guys spend their entire life in there basically they see their they see the people they're with in these four walls you know more than their friends and family and they're in like this weird you know kind of yellowy yellow walled like you know uh badly lit space mm-hmm. all day you know and it's with, just, no, with no windows yeah, no like windows. all the things we know human beings should not mm-hmm. be enduring anymore but yet it hasn't made its way there uh, I know it's not possible to have it for every space but I was like you know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do this this is what I want these are the these are the necessities that I need you know mm-hmm. and and finding the space that we're in right now the window is like this beautiful window the light hits it just the right way I'm right at the back I can see everything that's going on in the street it's just like it's the setting is is perfect you know it's perfect it, all those those stresses just fade away you know being in this space every day I'm really lucky to be here and you know it might have taken a long time to get to this point but it was definitely worth learning everything I needed to learn before doing it and meeting the right person uh, I needed to meet you know that could help me do it who are you talking about I'm <laughs> talking about my partner Rose uh, Rose Patterson mm-hmm. who is yeah we met few years ago and everything just aligned perfectly mm-hmm. and yeah we she was into this idea I always knew that I, I would never you know no one can ever really truly do anything on their own they always you need a good partner at least one good partner you need someone who has your back someone that believes in your idea and I knew one day that person would come along and and she was into it and you know, we cut, while I was on unemployment, I had a lot of time, and we just took our time, wrote the business plan properly, and you know, eventually we took the ju- we took the leap. And uh, two weeks into looking, we found this space, and it and it we were, it just felt right being in here, so we jumped on it, and uh, yeah, and then it all just was just working on the space, and it all came true. And and you know, for Rose, it was interesting because she's never had a um, service industry job ever she's a nurse practitioner by trade and you know works Monday to Friday uh, an intense job and 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 she kind of jumped into this without really knowing you know what it would entail and she also you know she comes here and works with me some days and does you know a lot of the clothes with me and the, a lot of the preparation so it's a big learning curve for her but she's a natural and uh, yeah, it really, it worked out really, really well. Better than I could have ever thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what amount of her, her schedule and like her um, being off on the weekends and then the nights kind of informed you wanting to do lunch or was that like something that you had as a goal for yourself before the two of um, you worked together? 
I would say like it definitely I think one of the re big reasons why Rose was into it is because when we met I was working crazy hours and then throughout the time where I was on EI I was also working uh, under the table <laughs> crazy hours yes. I won't say where mm -hmm. but um, yeah she saw like how taxing that was on the relationship and like we really she really wanted you know for us to figure out a way where we could both hold the same schedule so we would have our you know as much time as we could at night whenever we closed this place and and I think that was a, a big reason for you know her being into the idea and also she you know she believed in in my idea but yeah like just having the same schedule is important you know so many relationships I think in my past in my life didn't work out because of different schedules and just you know keeping those hours it's just very stressful and and you know you're everything kind of manifests itself in weird ways you're, you're you know you're you get stressed and you're anxious and you know you don't sleep properly so it really affects your relationship and how much you can give to your partner and I definitely was you know I always knew it would be great to try something different and you know be able to have a you know whatever I, I don't want to say normal life because it, it, I know people I have friends that are night owls and it works great for them but I, I always knew that I would function better in the day and Mm -hmm. and it's totally true like I would never I don't think I could ever go back to working at night I think yeah. those days are done forever hopefully <laughs> but uh, yeah people ask me if we'll ever do you know dinners here I, you know I'm always I never want to say no completely but it's, you know a year in now and I like the way it is I like the hours it just seems to work really well and I don't feel the need to, to open at night you know that's, yeah. for, that's for other restaurants, that's for other people, but... Exactly. Yeah, lunch is cool. Um, so, with the people in the industry, particularly, who work in the kitchen, when they hear about the setup that you have, they are a little bit jealous, is that the right word? Um, there's a few reasons for it. Obviously, the, the schedule is a huge thing, but also just the fact of, yeah, working by yourself. Um, I could try to flesh that out for anyone who can't kind of picture why that is so significant, but do you mind doing a comparison between um, yeah, your previous jobs where you were working with a team versus what it means to work on your own? Um, well, I, first off, I would start by saying that, you know, as much as I got to the end of my, you know, end of the line with working in a, you know, in a a team environment in a kitchen you know I, I didn't want to do it anymore but you know I had I've had countless amazing times working with like other cooks in kitchens you know like the fun and the jokes and just like seeing what you can do with that many people working together the amount of like dishes you can put out in a night just like the adrenaline it's I do miss it from time to time I miss having you know like people to like make just say the craziest shit with and it's okay you know it's 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 all right in that environment so I miss I miss that but you know I would say that being alone especially when I come in in the morning for a few hours just to do prep and put music on and have a coffee just that time I get to reflect and just be by myself is so valuable it's it's meditative it's it's incredible like I love it um, I would you know I, I hope I can do it for as long as possible I mean there's a might be a day where this place gets so busy and I mean it there is some days where it gets hard because I'm serving and cooking and busing and dishwashing and doing all that stuff you know that I might need 
a hand, but I'll keep pushing myself to try and, you know, not, not have that, you know, and I would say a big difference, maybe not even from a cook point of view, but from a business owner point of view, you know, for me, not having employees is like, is a huge weight off my shoulders. You know, I don't have to worry about someone being a, a shitty employee. I don't have to worry about, you know, how am I going to pay this person? You know, labor is such a huge thing. If you have labor costs, it's it's enormous. You know, like it, it can make and break your restaurant. Mm-hmm. I have friends that you know have places and they have employees, and you know, I I list, I you know I'll listen to them gripe from time to time, and I'm just in my head. I'm like, oh, it's I'm so glad I don't have to to deal with that. You know, and that also goes down the you know the road of entitlement and where you know where people come from these days and. You know, I grew up, I moved out really young. I had a, you know, I, me and my dad, we didn't get along back then. Now we have a great relationship, but you know, I moved out young as a result of it. And I, you know, I had to learn, I had to learn things for myself and like, I had to figure things out for myself. And back then people, you know, would really school you in, in, in the industry. And so, yeah, I think it's nice to not have to worry about working with people that are, you know, don't don't do their job to the best of their ability don't have a really great work ethic don't show up on time don't you know like also for myself i find it you know when i come in in the morning i know everything in my head that i have to do it's more work but when i have someone working with me you know it's it's almost harder trying to like having to you know check on them make sure they're doing things properly it it takes it's almost like a waste of time you know, from my perspective, so. Yeah, yeah it, it detracts from the actual work to have to communicate and yeah. and make sure you're on the same page and make sure you're moving at the right clip and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, it's probably not for everyone working alone, you know, like it takes a certain type of person, I think, but I'm never really alone, you know, I'm alone for the first part of the morning then I'm alone at night or Rose will come and then we're together and we get to close, but during the day man it's just you know friends coming by or you know strangers who I meet and you know we engage in conversations and that's the beauty right now is that you know for 20 years of my life you know with the exception of a few kitchens that were open I worked behind a wall you know and I never got some cooks don't want to I mean don't get me wrong some cooks don't want to have anything to do with the customers they don't want to interact but I've always um, you know really had a kind of a thing for being in a neighborhood and meeting my neighbors and like you know being known in that neighborhood as a, as a as a good person like people knowing who I am you know wherever I've been whether it's Montreal or New York or Toronto I've always kind of wanted to you know people to know me in the neighborhood and know all the neighbors and and that's the idea here it's the same premise like I I like to interact with people and I like to you know hear their stories and just share anecdotes and just makes the day go by it 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 adds a personal touch to, you know, to the, to the cooking aspect, to what I'm doing here. You know, if, if it's really busy and like, it might be taking a little bit longer, I can talk to the people, make them at ease. They can see what's going on. They see I'm not yeah. just like dicking around in the back, you know, <laughs> and they're getting angry waiting for their food. They know what's happening. It's right there, you know, and, and, and the place is clean. There's nowhere to like, you can't have a dirty kitchen. This is all mm-hmm. open, you know, everything's gotta be nice and sweet and open and clean and that's how it is and, and I like that and mm-hmm. yeah just every day meeting more and more and more people and having that you know that t- that that human human touch you know not communicating through 
you know, social media or mm-hmm. text messaging right. or, you know, just having conversation. The art of conversation is, uh, I, th- I feel like it's a dying, it's kind of a dying thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so. For sure. I think I knew that there was something different and special here on the second time that I came with uh, Stu Sakai, who we actually interviewed last season, um, about, yeah, we were, we were sitting, and then all of a sudden I saw you walk back in the door. Like, I didn't see you leave, but I saw you walk back in the door and realized that you, like, had hand-delivered a meal to one of the neighbors, I'm not sure who, but all the small businesses that happen, they'll, like, dot out and put in an order with you and pay for it, and then when it's ready, you walk it to them, if you have the time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, that is not a common sight and not no. something that anyone <laughs> can really expect, and so that kind of speaks to, like, your priorities as well, which is really cool. Well, you know, I think it, like, it's one thing to say, like, oh, I want to open a neighborhood joint and, like, you know, be part of neighborhood and this and that but it's another thing to actually really do it and like those for me it makes me happy and it also gives me the opportunity just to leave for a second you know take a break walk out like I leave the door open even if the place is empty I don't you know people say I'm crazy but I don't really care you know like someone will walk in and that'll be it but it, that's how that's how it works here you know I, I like I really like doing those little things and I think it's it's definitely working for me. I think people definitely appreciate it and uh, it makes it really makes me happy. It's just feeling like anybody here can kind of do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. You know, really like... Or just like a building trust situation. You're like, I, yeah. you're a good person and yeah. I'm a good person and I think it's, it's uncommon these days, which is sad, but it's nice to be in a space that kind of values that and with someone who trust their customers I guess yeah well everyone's so I think everyone is so afraid of every little thing these days we live in a politically correct kind of you know just be careful of everyone society you know and and I don't think that's the way to go you know building building fear and like fear-mongering bigotry and all that mm-hmm. that shit it's no it's no good you know there's no place in the world for that and I think you know even if you can just do it in your own your own neighborhood, you know, making everyone feel like they're they're in a safe place where they can be themselves and just relax and you know, like after I make people their food, I'll just tell them that you know, make yourself at home and I and it's not, I don't just you know it's not a line, but I'm just like yeah, you know, do what you want. It's okay. Like mm-hmm. you know, you want to get up and play some records, you can do it. You want to grab anything, do it. Like you know, people come in and ask to use the bathroom, go use the bathroom. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's a space for everyone. Yeah. And uh, it makes it makes me feel better. It takes up a lot of stress of worrying, like you know, about all these little little yeah. things all the time that you don't really need to worry about. There's enough stress in life. For sure, you know? goodness breeds goodness. Um, so obviously, so many pros to the situation that you have set up for yourself here. Um, but back to the thought of those chefs when they hear it just sounding like all peaches and cream and gravy and all that good stuff there it can't it can't be 100% beautiful and perfect all the time what's what is the what is the hard part or what is the thing that they're missing when they kind of their brain jumps to that do you think um well I mean you know it needs to be said that nothing is 100% perfect all the time there's always you know just like any relationship it's never going to be amazing all the time even though you strive for it to be that way Mm -hmm. you know that's what you should do but yeah nothing's perfect I think 
definitely being a solo employee if you know if i'm sick i'm closing up you know that's it man if something happens i get hurt i'm in trouble you know so there's you know a one-man business it's i think it's it's risky in that sense you know just like knock on wood like that everything keeps going smooth and i'm okay you know um i think also uh deciding to do it with just me and my partner who i live with and work with and you know i think it's gone really well but there's definitely been some stresses because rose you know definitely has to work here as well while holding down a really hard job and she she does it you know she does it she's really patient and she has a lot of like willpower but it definitely you know we wanted to take off the strain by switching schedules but by doing this there's also a bit of strain in that way so it can be it can be taxing um on us it also you know i think eventually the limitations of what i can pull off i would say some days where it is crazy here if i get hit all at once and do like you know a lot of customers in a span of an hour or two the food can suffer a little bit those are things that someone may notice or they may not notice they're little nuances but it's something that i notice so it affects me and, and it's you know it can be stressful sometimes but it's also interesting to push yourself and see what you can pull off by mm -hmm. yourself which is kind of a cool thing um yeah i mean yeah working alone i don't know it's it's working for me right now maybe down the line i might be like okay i'm ready to you know work with people again but for now it's been really uh i, I really dig it Mm -hmm. it's it's really cool it's it's quite a feeling i think everyone should try it once in their life if they have the opportunity to mm -hmm. it's interesting i mean you know i don't know just the idea of being a shopkeeper like yeah. kind of by yourself being like a weirdo in the neighborhood <laughs> like there's something about that it's not for everybody but i think i, I definitely fit that kind of category hmm. i've always been fancied myself a bit of an older like felt like a bit of an old man old my, soul yeah maybe mm -hmm. Yep. Um, there was a customer in last night and I overheard her saying making fun of her dad for sticking his head into the kitchen and thanking the chefs and just you know rolling her eyes at him for thinking he was a hot shot or something like that um, and then someone came to the defense of him but it's so rare for someone to take the time to thank those people. I always feel bad for getting to hear all the compliments all the time table side. I relay them whenever I can and whenever it makes sense, whenever I'm not interrupting a busy service. But uh, do you have any feelings about the importance of that or, and or what it means to you to now Whoa. hear that directly um, yeah, in your setup? I don't know, man. Everyone's, uh, everyone's just a human being kind of scraping through this, like, you know, the this world that we live in that you know is kind of intense sometimes and you know it's I might be a cook you might be a, a doctor you, someone else is an architect whatever man we're all like kind of scraping through life and it, it doesn't really matter you know you just gotta like I think you gotta it's okay to like socialize you know if someone's serving you food you thank them if it's just like it, it's like being at someone's house you know you, you kind of you want to be the you don't want to be a shitty guest. You want to be a good guest. You know, you want to, someone's going to be a good host. You're a good guest. You know, there's, it's a give and take relationship and there's nothing wrong with, you know, you know, it's all in the way you do it. I think mm -hmm. it's, 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 if it comes from the heart and it's natural and it's just, you know, like, I think like doing this, it's, it's just like, it, it makes sense for me. It's like, it works for me because it's, it's easy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not contrived. It's not forced. And like, I think, you know, being able to, 
you know, talk to people while they're doing their job and tell them that you appreciate it or, yeah, it's cool, man. Like, why not? You know, I try and be, you know, when I go to eat at a restaurant, I'm, you know, I'm not there telling people I'm a cook and this and that, but I'm definitely, you know, I'm, I'm a gracious guest. I like to go above and beyond and, and, you know, just be as relaxed and put myself in other people's hands. Mm -hmm. That's why you're there. You know, you're there for an experience. You're there to kind of, you know, and I think some people are all, sometimes they're disappointed when the night doesn't go as they expect, but I think you have to remember it's a give and take situation. You know, you, the waiter and the cooks and the maitre d' and whatever, they can only do so much. It, you know, you gotta kind of, you gotta play along with it, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't, well, it might not be as good of an experience. You kind of gotta, I think these days people have issues or trouble with relinquishing control. You know, mm -hmm. everyone wants to be in control all the time. And if you just like loosen up a little bit, you probably have a really nice time. For sure. Rigid expectations don't often put you in a comfortable spot. I was my perspective <laughs> on that. Yes. Um, Take that stick out of your ass and <laughs> have a good time. You know? um, thank you very much, Mark. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jess. It's mm -hmm. been a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Cheers. That was Mark Dufort, owner and chef of Royale's Luncheonette, here in Toronto, speaking with Jess. I really, like, when I went in there, I remember thinking, even though I've never been really in the food service industry for any length of time, that what a dream life this guy must be living. You know, like, it does seem like there's a ton of stress because it is all on him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he seems to have cut a lot of the stresses out of his life by just sort of taking the reins and doing it almost almost completely on his own obviously he has his partner that's a, a great support for mm -hmm, him and mm -hmm. a great partner um but you know the day-to-day -day, it's just him in there yeah and i think a lot of people would look at that as a very daunting task and obviously it is but I think there's a lot of people that look at that and say like, oh man, what a dream. Yeah, exactly. You come up with a menu, you do it all, you don't have to deal with anybody else. It does seem like a very idealistic or idyllic kind of uh, setup. For sure. But that all does rest on him, right? Because yeah. it's not every personality. Like as we alluded to earlier on in the conversation, it's a random array of people that happen to be attracted to working in kitchens and that can come from the creative angle that can come from the um, structure of having, you know, a similar but different uh, setup every day um, and just being able to reproduce things and not having to to think too hard about that. It can come from wanting to work in a team. It can come from any number of things. And mm -hmm. so when you make the choice that you a want to break away from that schedule and be not rely on anyone else to do it. The most important thing I think there would be that you need to love people. It's so funny because you're like simultaneously like I don't want to rely on anyone else. So I don't want to rely on people. And then also inviting conversations with so many people in the run of a day like he's melded yeah, the front true. and the back of house into his position there and so it isn't I don't think it would be possible for everyone to do it he's just made up that way which is really really cool mm -hmm. but that is sort of an interesting dichotomy where it is somebody who's almost sounds like somebody who doesn't want to be around anyone <laughs> at the same time 
he's somebody that totally wants to be around people and yeah, like know said, his neighbors and foster exactly. community and all those good things. He's and, working alone, but he's never alone, yeah. as he said, right? So, yeah. And then also, yeah, just has a business entirely built on his himself as his brand right which um it wouldn't work if if he wasn't such an approachable like welcoming amazing host in that space and it's as someone who's only interacted with him really in that sphere um before this conversation i have to say it was it did catch me off guard not that it doesn't make sense but it did catch me off guard that there was so much like seriousness in the decision making clearly coming through um, in the way that he was talking about it Um, and like I said in hindsight it makes sense to me but um, in the moment it was this side where you know he's such a chill like warm welcoming human most of the time but I, I guess I saw myself in it because if you are that kind of a generous person, it can easily be taken advantage of um, just in life in general. And so as you age, you learn how to be really protective of the things that allow you to remain that way. And so, I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, this is somebody who knew what they liked about this world and knew what they disliked about it and knew the kind of lifestyle that they wanted to have mm-hmm, and he which created is... something that would work with that and i think that's such a huge huge thing is that you know a schedule was one of those things where it's exactly. like hey i mean people in the food service industry it's tough to have a relationship with somebody that has a nine-to-five job yeah because you're never going to see each other exactly. right and when you do it's you know it, it, somebody's coming off of work or somebody's just about to start work whereas mm-hmm. you know to be able to say i want to stay in this industry but I want to make sure that I'm living the kind of life that I want to live, which includes having a relationship, having a regular schedule that fits with that relationship yeah. and making, creating that change yourself. I think that's, that's pretty cool. And it does show that, like you say, it was a very thoughtful thing. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you, th- you see these people that appear to be happy and you think that everything in their life from birth till now <laughs> must have been happy. Yeah. And there's nobody like that. Yeah. Right. But here's somebody who has, not let them that stop them as in not let those negative experiences that they've had stop them from having the life that they kind of want to have. Yeah. Pursuing, pursuing the things that they know will make it better and, Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, going for it. And that was another episode of foodstuffs. Huge thanks this week, of course, to Mark Dufort um, and to his partner, Rose Patterson. They are amazing hosts. If you can't tell already, I highly recommend going to check them out if and when you are in Toronto. Thanks as well to Eric Betlam and Ken Stauer of CIUT. We are back for a third season of Foodstuffs right out of Studio 2. We're so thankful. Always thankful. really means a lot and uh, wouldn't be possible without you guys. Thank you. And thanks so much to you for listening. We couldn't be happier to be back for another season with you. To connect with us on social media, you can reach us at Foodstuffs Life on Instagram and Twitter. Also on Facebook, just by searching Foodstuffs. Our website, Jess? Foodstuffs.life Don't forget. And don't forget that we're going to be with you next week. So this, this week season, and next week this next and the week, week after that. Every week. For the next 20 weeks. I think you're going to say years there. <laughs> well, Hopefully. that's you. You're stuck with me for 20 years. 
I'm Jessica Walker. And I'm Brian Goleman. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.